as Washingtonians went voting in District 4, or in Ward 4 as it's called in DC. I was standing in the street next to the polling place, an elementary school in northeast DC. The lines were short, it had been raining all day, and it had finally stopped. At this particular place, the entire process seems to take about 20 minutes, standing in line and filling in your ballot for all the different options, five pages long. Outside the school, a small number of people were handing out information on how to vote and some volunteers were handing out information on the candidate they were supporting. There is a big difference for people voting in Washington DC. DC is not a state. The District of Columbia has special status in the US. DC is called a district and lacks representation in both Congress and the Senate, as hinted on their license plates, where it says, taxation without representation. I'm working here for Alyssa Silverman. She's a member of the city council and she's running for re-election. How come you're a volunteer? Well, I care a lot about local issues and local politics because there's a lot of attention that's given to national politics and often people, even here in the capital, don't pay enough attention to what's going on locally. And Alyssa on the city council has done a lot of things that are really important, pushed through a lot of bills that have done a lot of good for people. And I wasn't planning on volunteering for her, but this year she's in a very tough race. There are a lot of people who've donated a lot of money to her opponents. So I saw that and I decided I need to make sure that I do everything I can to get her re-elected so that she doesn't get knocked out. How do you feel about not having the chance to vote for Congress being a resident of DC? I think it's wrong. Um, I think it was a decision that was made 200 years ago. Um, and the people who made our constitution did some things very well and were very foresighted about some things, but other things they just guessed wrong. They never realized that when you build the capital, you're going to need a lot of people who live there to run the capital, and that when they decided that the capital wouldn't get a vote, it wouldn't just be a few people, it would be hundreds of thousands of people, almost a million people. I think it was a mistake they made 200 years ago, and I think it's time to fix it. Is anyone trying to fix it? A lot of people are saying they're trying to fix it, but the truth is, outside of Washington, D.C., no one knows about it. Absolutely no one. No one. Not Democrats, not Republicans. No one talks about it. No one thinks about it. And so there are so many issues that people are paying attention to today, and it's hard to get people to uh, do something about an issue that they don't even think about. Mm. All right. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Yeah, I've worked in uh, in D.C. I volunteered for local candidates and local elections for the last four cycles going back to 2013. And this is something new. I mean, there's a new level of political energy that I think mostly comes from national level politics, but it's certainly something that we're feeling here even, you know, though even though we're not really allowed to fully participate in national politics you know, due to D.C.'s status, um, you know, I've never seen turnout like this and just interest in, in a race like this. And certainly I can't think of a time when for midterm congressional elections there's been this much coverage and this much interest and this much energy. What do you think this election is going to mean going forward for, on a national level, but also on a state level? Well, on a national level, um, 
without getting too dramatic about it, I mean, I think we have a really kind of corrupt, even criminal regime and power in our executive branch right now. And we have a congressional majority that has been unwilling to do its duty in terms of doing proper oversight and serving as a check on that power. And I think it is really, again, you know, I don't want to be melodramatic, but I think it's an important election for the future of American democracy. And that I, I would hope that if we have a changeover in control of one or both houses of Congress, that the Congress would return to its traditional role of serving as a check on the power of the presidency. Um, locally, I mean, locally, the stakes are are somewhat lower. You know, we live in D.C., where we have kind of a one-party government. You know, it's all Democrats here, whether they call themselves Democrats or independents. But I think it is. It's an important election in that it uh, it speaks to the level of money in politics and the level of power that corporations are going to be able to exert in in politics. Um, so the candidate I'm out here working for, uh, what first kind of attracted me to her was her stance against corporate money in politics. We worked together on a ballot initiative that would have banned all corporate money from DC politics. This was six years ago before she ever ran for office. Then she ran for office and as a candidate decided just voluntarily, even though it would have been legal, to not accept any corporate contributions. Um, and she's had a successful political career doing that. And to me, I think that is maybe the most important thing in U.S. politics right now is, you know, getting less, cor getting corporate money and money in general out of politics, I think has been a bad thing for American democracy as the amount of money in politics has increased since particularly the Citizens United Supreme Court decision in 2010. And I think... Honestly, the way to change that is for candidates at all levels of government, from the local level here up to the national level, to just kind of voluntarily um, decide they're not going to take corporate money. So yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's to me the biggest thing that's at stake in this election here today. Can I ask you on camera for our Instagram feed how you no. feel about the... I don't no? want to go on camera. Ah, okay. <laughs> It's, it'll, it'll disappear in 24 hours. Nah, nah. All right. Okay. I work in uh, I work in big federal politics, so I have to keep my local political opinions to myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I was going to ask you what you felt about not being able to vote in the Senate run and the Congress. Oh, I think it's fucking outrageous. I mean, I. You know, we here in D.C. pay our federal taxes like everybody else in the country. Um, I think it's, uh, like so many of the, the voting laws in the United States, it's a legacy of the institutional racism that existed at this country's founding and hasn't really been reformed fully since. Um, I don't think there's any real kind of rational case for denying voting rights to the citizens of D.C. or Puerto Rico, for that matter. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a strong movement here for D.C. statehood, and it's something where if, again, you know, I am cautiously optimistic uh, that there's going to be a backlash 
to Trump and all the kind of terrible things that have resulted from his presidency, that we will have a united democratic government in this country. And I would hope, you know, if they have, uh, if they have the, the courage that they would make DC, statehood for DC and Puerto Rico kind of uh, a major part of their policy. I mean, that's a lot of votes also for a democratic. It's a lot of votes, but it's fair. I mean, I'm keeping in mind that uh, DC residents are 93 and 96%. Right, voting Democrat. Puerto Rico residents are somewhere 70, 80%. You know, I understand that it would certainly be a move that would advantage Democrats, um, but I don't think that. You think that might be why it's harder to push it through? Well, sure, that's exactly why it's harder to push it through, but it's fair. It's the right thing to do. And I think there's kind of a false equivalence that's often drawn between. Republican legal and technical maneuvers um, on voting rights that make it harder for people to vote, which helps Republicans, and Democratic maneuvers that make it easier to vote. Um, and you know, people, some people are inclined to say like these are the same things. Both parties are trying to change their rules, change the rules to advantage themselves. But to my mind, uh, you know, if you're making it easier for people to vote, that's the right thing to do from a perspective of making our country, you know, more democratic with a small d, you know, like having more democracy. Um, yeah, having the right to vote is pretty basic. Yeah, it is. Um, and you see, like, our, uh, uh, there are no DC license plates here, but, you know, the slogan on our license plate is taxation without representation, which was the slogan um, from the Revolutionary War, this was the main issue that America was founded on. You know, when we we're a colony of of England, and colonists living here had to pay taxes, but weren't represented in England's Parliament, right? And that's the exact same situation that residents of D.C. and Puerto Rico find themselves in today. So I think it's a it's a strong kind of moral uh, moral argument. Yeah, I think any voter in any democracy would agree with you. Yeah. It's pretty basic well, stuff. Except for Republicans in America. <laughs> so I actually work uh, for an international organization that's concerned with the uh, promotion of democracy in other countries around the world. So that has, I think, given me a, a broader context on our situation here and kind of strengthened my feelings about, you know, It's like what we say, like, you know, if we looked at another country and saw some of the things that are happening in America right now going on in, in another country and we're trying to evaluate the level of democracy in that country, I think we would judge that democracy was sharply declining in America right now. And for whatever reason, we have this blind spot where we don't see those problems as clearly when they're happening here. Um, or the kind of injustices of, you know, the millions of people in this country who have no congressional representation or you know, some of our you know, blatantly undemocratic institutions like the Senate, like the Electoral College. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that definitely is something that shapes my thinking on U.S. politics as well. Okay. 
thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you. I hope and this I was, was useful. Yeah. yeah I'm, so. I'm, I'm really glad to have some international press here, uh, <laughs> here at Yale Payne's uh, Public Charter School. Are you on your way in to vote? Yeah, my first time. So your first time? Yes. Okay. Can I? Can we talk about that for a couple of minutes? Uh, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so I'm here with a first-time voter going inside the polling place here. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about why you came out to vote today? Because it looks like you've been had an opportunity to vote before, right? No, I just turned citizen. Oh. It's going to be a year, so it's my freedom and my right to vote. So I said. Since I have the opportunity, why not do it? So I'm gonna do it to make my voice heard. So it's a perfect opportunity for me. I have no idea what to do or how to do, but I'll figure it out when I go in. Do you feel strongly about a political issue more than another, for instance? Well, I'd in this election, I mean. In this election, well, I like what the mayor is doing already, and I hope for her to continue. And I just want everything to work evenly, so to speak, so we can have a more democratic vote as far as the issues go, instead of being lopsided. You know what I mean? So hopefully my vote will count, where it will make it more balanced. So it's just, if everybody come out and vote, then we can say we give it our best try and whatever happens, how it turns out, we can say we consciously did our best and give it a try. So. And you are a new citizen and this is your first time voting. How do you feel about that? <sighs> it's exciting and it's different from where I'm from because usually it's a lot of turmoil. <laughs> where, where are you from and how, for how long have you been in the States? I've been in the States too long. Um, since 1984, but I just turned citizen a year ago, and so I'm originally from Jamaica, and it's usually fighting which party is the best, and they fight against each other, because that's what the parties promote, the leaders, but um, it's not as peaceful as here, and um, I find it refreshing, that is, you can have your free to vote without any fighting or any turmoil, so to speak. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to vote. How, how come it took so long since 1984 for you to become citizen? Well, when I came here, I was a kid. And I, originally, I thought I was coming for the summer. Woo you know, I'm just going to see the summer. I'm going to see the states. I'm going to see the snow. And then I go home and only to find out, no, that's not the way it's going to be. <laughs> so um, I wanted to go back home. But when you're in an environment that you've gotten used to and everything, not to say I don't go back home, it's just every, most of my family are here anyway, between here and England. So it has become home because most of my family are here. And so I decided, why not? So I, I've already contributed paying taxes, you know, ever since I came working at Popeye's, I paid my taxes. So I said, why not get in? to it where I can make my vote, make my voice heard and count. So I decided to become a citizen mm. and my kids are here. So, yeah. Well, I wish you good luck Thank and I'm going to let you inside to cast your vote. Thank, Thank you for you. speaking with Radio Utblik. No problem. Bye. Bye.
Excuse me, sir. Are you voting? Yes, I am. Can I ask you a few questions? Sure. What made you come out to vote today? I have voted in every election since I was old enough to vote when I turned 18. So this would be your... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's multiple double digits. Many, many, many times. Okay. Uh, do you feel stronger about a certain issue this time in this election? Um, I do nationally uh, because of the way the last presidential election went. Um, however, locally, um, there are no issues that are, you know, pulling me one way or the other. But nationally, absolutely. So how do you feel about not voting nationally since you don't have representation in either Senate or the Congress? Um, so it's a choice that I make by living in Washington, D.C. I wish it were different. However, um, my family and I um, are very active contributing to campaigns in areas of the country where it will make a difference at the national level. So we hold fundraisers and um, so we are trying to make changes outside of our jurisdiction um, by being active and, and raising money and raising awareness in other areas, whether it's California or Florida or New Mexico or New Jersey. Are you involved in any political campaigns in this election? Um, not locally, um, but um, I certainly am contributing to campaigns uh, in other parts of the country that I know um, could could make a, a difference in Congress. Are they based on some certain political issues? Um, certainly on um, issues um, at a very macro level that I feel strongly about, which is um, turning the country in the right direction um, from where it's been going in the last two years, which is the wrong direction. What do you think about new political movements like uh, the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, Blue Wave, Make America Great Again, and so forth? Um, you know, I feel strongly about, I mean, the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, I think the United States has not dealt with its past. Um, other countries in recent history have had tragic things happen. You think about Europe, World War II, World War I, I think those countries have dealt with their past. And I think the United States has never really dealt with their past with, um, you know, some historical issues. Um, and it's good that um, those issues are coming to the forefront now. What made you come out to vote today? Was it any particular reason? Uh, only reason is um, want to be better for, for actually for us African Americans in the District of Columbia. You know, there's a lot of things that shifting towards, you know, not to be wrong Caucasian people in our in our in our area. But I just want to be better for us, and that's my focus on coming out to vote. Hopefully, it, it gets better. Yeah, that's all my focus is. Yeah. How how do you think that starts? It starts with, uh, you know, for people who actually come out and, and run for office actually do what they say they're going to do. Until then, it's going to be the same way it is right now. Did you feel you have a candidate running here locally that is that kind of candidate? At all? No, not at all. Actually, you know, I, I kind of Google them and look them up and try to check out each candidate I'm, I'm voting for. And none of them are reaching up to my expertise, but 
I'm just trying to hope for the one that I did vote for would do better for us as African-American people. Yeah. Been here my whole life on 4th and Credit Street, right up the street from here. I've been here my whole life. And it's actually, it's changing. It's getting better somewhat in the, in the area, but it should have been done a long time ago. Why wait now so people came back into the area before you start changing our community? It should have been changed for the better. Why wait now? You, you know? think it has to do with gentrification? Yes, it does. It really does. You know? I went to Howard University down Georgia Avenue last week, and I talked to one of the professors there, Dr. Greg Carr, about being, basically about being black in America. So what would you tell someone, like a Swedish reporter, white from Sweden, Scandinavia, asking someone, like, what is it like to be black in America? Uh, it's a struggle. Just continue to work hard, and don't let nothing distract you from being who you can be, because you can be anyone you want to be if you work hard at it. And just continue to stay focused, and no matter what happens in your life, to stay focused and work hard and be great at whatever you do in life and you will succeed. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, all right. You have a great day. Thank you for talking to me. You have a good one, man. God bless. Yeah, thanks. You too. Can I just ask you, what, you, what made you come out to vote today? I think it's so very important that we need to get out and vote. That's why it's very definitely important. Have you been voting many times? Every year since I've been 18. And how old are you? Oh, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm way over 18. I'm a senior citizen now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think has changed the most during your lifetime? Oh, a lot of has changed, but I'm hoping for the better. I'm hoping for the better. There's a lot of hatred intensity in the uh, in the atmosphere, and a lot of hatred, man. It's a lot of hatred, you know, racial, racial, racial uh, intensity that's going on. So, you know, it, it needs to be a big change. And all this happened with the uh, new elected president, Trump. He started all this, man. He started all this, you know. Now people, it's like us against you or you against us, you know. That's, that's, that's hatred, man, you know. How do you see that change? Is there anything you see changing change, going you on? Know, I mean, just like I'll give you a good example. Trump said something about uh, it's going to be a better, he's going to make the United States a better place. What's wrong with it now? There's nothing wrong with it now, you know. It was just that people was against a black president who won two terms, and if it was a policy that we could do another term, he would have won three terms, right? It, was, it, it turned into a racial thing, you know, us against them. But Do you think Donald Trump is a backlash for Obama, like a counter move from... Well, yeah, he's, a, he's an instigator, man. He don't, he don't get stuff. He stirs up a whole lot of trouble, man. He, he stirs up a whole lot of stuff, but... Let's keep hope alive, okay?